Good morning. It's uh, nice to see all of you here today. Uh, to start out, um, as I tell you guys all the time, when, when I do get to get up in front of people, uh, we're going to open up, we're going to open up in prayer, and I ask that you pray with me. Uh, don't kind of just zone out on me, really pray for me, pray with me, um, because really, if God's going to show up and God's going to do something, um, and that's what we want, because we don't want to hear what I have to say, we want God to show up and do something, so if you would just pray with me. Um, Heavenly Father, uh, we thank you and praise you for this day, for this opportunity to come together, to uh, to gather together as brothers and sisters of yours, Father. Um, we pray that you would pour your spirit out upon us, Father. I pray that you would fill me with your spirit, give me the words to speak. More importantly, Father, I pray that you would speak the words to, into each heart for what we need to hear for wherever we're at, Lord. And Father, I, I've seen you do it. I know that there's times I've said things and people have gotten something entirely different, Lord, because you put something there. Um, and we just pray that you would show up today and that you would do that, Father, and really prepare our hearts today. Father, we thank you and praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. So I don't get up here too often. In the last couple of times I've gotten up here, I've really tried to stretch myself um, and do some different things. And we're going to do some more stretching today. Uh, so one of the things I'm going to ask of you guys in a minute here is as we read the Word of God, that we would all stand and read it together. And the reason is, um, two weeks ago, Pastor Kristen talked about um, this being the Word of God, and then we can't just pick and choose uh, what parts we want to believe and don't want to believe. Um, if this is not the Word of God, then you guys are wasting your Sunday morning. And even worse, if this is not the Word of God, I'm wasting my life. Um, so I believe this is the Word of God. And, and one of the ways that um, in the early church and other churches, uh, they would stand as we read the Word of God as a sign of respect so that we can say, you know, we know this, this book should be revered. This is God's Word for us today. Uh, so if you would stand with me, I'm going to read um, Acts 9, 1 through 20. And if you would, uh, there's pew Bibles uh, right in front of you if you don't have your own. And I purposely read out of a pew Bible so it won't get confusing if you, you grab a pew Bible. Meanwhile, Saul was breathing out murderous threats against the Lord's disciples. He went to the high priest and asked him for letters to the synagogues in Damascus, so that if he found any there who belonged to the way, whether men or women, he might take them as prisoners to Jerusalem. As he neared Damascus on his journey, suddenly a light from heaven flashed around him. He fell to the ground and heard a voice say to him, Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? Who are you, Lord? Saul asked. I am Jesus, whom you are persecuting, he replied. Now get up and go into the city, and you will be told what you must do. The men traveling with Saul stood there speechless. They heard the sound but did not see anyone. Saul got up from the ground, but when he opened his eyes, he could see nothing. So they led him by the hand into Damascus. For three days he was blind and did not eat or drink anything. In Damascus, there was a disciple named Ananias. The Lord called to him in a vision, Ananias. Yes, Lord, he answered. The Lord told him, go to the house of Judas on Straight Street and ask for a man from Tarsus named Saul, for he is praying. In a vision, he has seen a man named Ananias come and place his hands on him to restore his sight. Lord, Ananias answered, I have heard many reports about this man and all the harm he has done to your saints in Jerusalem. And he has come here with authority from the chief priest to arrest all who call on your name. 
But the Lord said to Ananias, Go. This man is my chosen instrument to carry my name before the Gentiles and their kings and before the people of Israel. I will show him how much he must suffer for my name. Then Ananias went to the house and entered it. Placing his hands on Saul, he said, Brother Saul, the Lord Jesus, who appeared to you on the road as you were coming here, has sent me so that you may see again and be filled with the Holy Spirit. Immediately, something like scales fell from Saul's eyes, and he could see again. He got up and was baptized, and after taking some food, he regained his strength. Saul spent several days with the disciples in Damascus. At once, he began to preach in the synagogues that Jesus is the Son of God. Father God, we thank you for your word. We thank you that you have spoken to us directly, um, that we don't have to wonder who you are, that we don't have to wonder um, how much you love us or care about us, that we don't have to wonder what you would have us do or how we should be living our lives, but you have revealed all of it in your word, Father, and we thank you and praise you for that today. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. So, as I was prayerfully reading Acts this week, um, preparing for this, and and I say prayerfully because um, there is so much in God's word when we go to God first, when we ask him to reveal to us, the Bible is so much deeper than we would ever imagine that it could possibly be when we read it on our own. So prayerfully, um, we should be going into the word of God. And as I was prayerfully reading Acts this week, I noticed that there's a pattern uh, for Paul's and our conversion. And, and by the way, I'm going to call Saul. We read about Saul. I'm going to call him Paul today uh, because that's how we know him. So I'm just going to use Paul uh, so it's a little less confusing maybe. Um, But I noticed these seven possible steps in his conversion. And if you look in your bulletin, you'll find an outline that if you want to follow along uh, with the outline, you're welcome to do that because we're going to kind of go through this uh, rather quickly because we have something else we're going to have. John's going to come up in a little while and he's going to share some stuff with us as well. So the first thing, first step happens in the first half of verse 1 where the Bible says, Saul was still breathing out murderous threats against the Lord's disciples. Step one is Paul was an enemy of God. Now you have to understand, Paul didn't realize he was an enemy of God. He didn't think of himself as an enemy of God. But that's exactly how he was living his life. And uh, I think a lot of us, this is the first step for all of us. I didn't go around trying to murder Christians, but I was an enemy of God. I I said I believed in God. I went to Sunday school. I went to youth group. I was the president of our youth group. Much, don't know what the youth pastor was thinking when uh, he allowed it to be a democratic vote and I got voted in because I was not living it. And anybody in that youth group who knew me from school or anywhere else would know that I was not living my life for Christ. I was an enemy of God. Even though I said I believed, even though I didn't do anything as, as terrible as what Paul was doing, I was an enemy of God. And I think that there's a lot of people that you may, you may not even think of that um, as, as a stage. You may not think of yourself as an enemy of God, but that may be where you're still at. So the second step that I noticed was uh, Paul was seeking God at this point. Now you may be saying, dude, I don't see that in this passage at all. And uh, you'd be right. But you have to understand, when I, when I read the second half of verse 1, And uh, verse 2, he went to the high priest and asked him for letters to the synagogues in Damascus, so that if he found any there who belonged to the way, whether men or women, he may take them as prisoners to Jerusalem. 
Paul thought he was doing the right thing. Paul thought he was serving God. Paul later on in his letters will say, I was a Pharisee among Pharisees. I took a tenth of every little thing. I did everything for God. Paul was seeking God at this point. He wanted to be close to God. He wanted to please God. Um, and that's a, that's a, it's a step that maybe some of us don't ever get to. For me, when I accepted Christ, I was going through a, a really tough period, a tough year, and I was seeking something. I didn't know what I was seeking, but I was seeking something. I, I knew the way I had been living was not doing anything for me. This, I needed more. I needed to know why, what was my purpose? Why was I here? Uh, so I was seeking something, and God revealed himself. And I think God is always faithful to reveal himself when we are seeking him. And sometimes God is faithful and reveals himself even when we're not seeking him. The step, third step, you know, Paul was seeking him. Third step, God reveals himself to Paul. God shows up on the road to Damascus as a bright light surrounding Paul, and God speaks to him. God revealed himself to, to Paul in this very powerful way. And in God's word, he, re he reveals himself to us in many different ways. To, to Paul, it was a bright light on the road. To Moses, it was a burning bush. For me, it was through God's word as I was searching, like I just said, and I heard that Proverbs is the book of wisdom. I'm thinking, okay, this is what I'm looking for, wisdom, purpose. Um, read Proverbs, decided to go on to Matthew and get halfway through Matthew when God revealed himself to me and I'm reading Matthew and realize that this Jesus is who I need in my life. This is what I've been missing. And I end up at the end of my bed just crying, calling out to God for forgiveness and uh, turning my life to him. God reveals himself through his word. God reveals himself through other believers. Um, and it's exciting. You'll get to hear from John's testimony, part of, of that from him. Um, and God, used, you may not even realize it as a believer that people are watching you. And people may see what you're doing, and that, that can be how God reveals himself. Some exciting ways that God reveals himself and is revealing himself today is in Muslim countries, God is revealing himself through dreams. Uh, there's been several stories of Muslims who have had dreams of Jesus coming to them, and it, it has been what is the catalyst that has turned their lives around and turned them to Jesus. Um, in communist countries, I was reading Tortured for Christ by uh, Richard Wormbrand who uh, is the founder of The Voice of the Martyrs. And one of the great stories in there was the, the Communist Party was trying to mock Christianities and, or Christianity. And uh, so they put passages in their pamphlets and then they'd mock those passages. God revealed himself to people as they were reading those. They didn't see the mocking, they saw the passage. And they thought, this is the God that I need. Um, God reveals himself in so many powerful ways. And at some point in your life, if God has not already revealed himself, God will reveal himself to you. And then you're going to have a choice to make. Just like Paul has a choice to make. Now God has revealed himself. How will Paul respond? And in verse 5, we see what Paul does. Paul falls to his knees. Or, I'm sorry, step 4 is acknowledging God. Paul acknowledges God. Paul falls to his knees and says, Who are you? Lord. Paul didn't know who he was talking to, but Paul knew that this was the Lord. Paul knew that this is the God that he needs to be following. Paul acknowledged him as Lord. 
Step five, Paul repents. What does it mean to repent? Some of us think that when, the word, when God's word says repent, it means to say I'm sorry. You know, pray and say you're sorry. You know, that's repentance. That's not repentance. Repentance means to turn. It means to turn away from or turn to. So it's turning away from the things of this world, the things that if you have been holding on to and turning to God and accepting him as Lord and Savior, that is what true repentance is. And you may be questioning, well, wait, where did Paul repent in this passage? But I found it interesting in verses 13 to 15 that uh, God tells Ananias to go to Paul, and Paul's le- or Ananias is like, ah, I don't, I don't know if you get this, Lord. I don't know if you know what, what Paul's been doing, but Paul's been persecuting your people. And Paul is here to arrest us because Ananias didn't know Paul's heart. Ananias didn't know what had just happened on the road to Damascus, but God knew Paul's heart. And I have to believe that when God spoke to Ananias, it was in the most loving and encouraging way possible. As God says, Ananias, just go. Just go. Trust me. I am going to show Paul what he must do. I am going to show Paul what he must suffer. Paul is going to be my instrument to the Gentiles. God saw the repentance that Paul had gone through. Step six. Paul joins a community. Paul couldn't do this on his own. Now, God had put those scales over Paul's eyes alone. He didn't need Ananias to take the scales off, right? And yet, God doesn't just remove the scales. God sends Ananias to pray over Paul because God knows that we can't do it on our own. God knows that we need community. God knows that we need support. And even after those scales fell from his eyes, we don't see Paul running off and saying, well, my faith is a personal faith and you know, it's between me and God, and I can do this from home. You know, that's not what Paul did. Paul stays in Damascus with the disciples. He stays there to learn and to grow and to be encouraged so that he could become the Paul that we know today, one of the greatest evangelicals in the history of the church, sharing the gospel all over the world. Paul joined a community, so let me encourage you here It's great. I'm so glad you guys show up on Sundays. Find a community. Find some believers that you can can join with that will help to encourage you in your walk. And if you need help with that, call me. Call me here anytime. I would love to meet with you because it's part of my job is getting people plugged in uh, wherever we can do that. Um, So I would love to get to sit down with you and find out how we can plug you in, um, whether it's a small group or whatever it is you're looking for, to get you plugged in with some other believers because we need believers. If Paul couldn't do it on his own, we can't do it on our own. And the seventh step, the last step, Paul begins to serve. Paul could have just said, okay, I've accepted Christ. I have this community with me. I can just hang out with them and we'll study and we'll learn and we'll grow. No, no, that's not the last step. The last step is we go out and we start using our gifts. Paul immediately, it says, he goes out and starts sharing the word of God that this Jesus Christ saved him. He shares this with everybody. Paul immediately starts to serve. And that is what we are being called to do is our last step in our road to Damascus.
if, uh, if we've gone through this, these steps, we should, beginning, we should begin to look more and more like Christ. My hope is that people don't look at me and see Tom. Nothing special about Tom. My hope is that people look at me and see Christ. Because that means that God is doing something in my life, something greater than I could possibly do. I want people to look at you and not see you. I want people to be able to look at you and see Christ. And I think that's what God is calling each one of us to. And we've gone through these kind of quickly. And I'm sorry that we went through them so quick. But I really, we're going to have, uh, John Bogue is a good friend of mine, and he's going to come up here, and like I said, we're going to stretch ourselves a little more, and I'm going to do an interview of John Bogue, and we're going to learn about his seven steps that he has gone through. John, if you can come up. Thank you, sir. Okay, now last time I tried to sit on this, it was very wobbly, and it was almost a disaster. So <laughs> we're going to be careful this time. So, uh, If you do not know John Bogue, John, is, John and I work together with Impact Campus Fellowship. Uh, Impact is a ministry that meets right in our schools. Uh, we meet at, how many schools were we at? Uh, 20, 20, 29. 29 schools we're at. And then we're doing more in Pennsylvania. And yep, Dan is working on starting some more in PA. And uh, also we're at the college at JCC. And it's just a, an amazing program as we get to take the word of God right into the schools. And uh, the students will meet on their lunch. Uh, instead of going to the cafeteria one day a week, they can go to a, another room and eat their lunch there. And then uh, we share the gospel with them or sometimes they do community projects. Uh, and John goes around to a lot of these schools and shares his testimony. And... He does assemblies. He's done four assemblies this year. He's going to have more this coming year. And uh, so his assembly is usually an hour long. So I'm sorry, you're getting a really short version of John's assembly. If you ever get a chance, you see John speaking somewhere and you get to hear his, his testimony, it is worth going to. Um, the last one he went to, last one I got to go to was at Faulkner School and he had a PowerPoint and I got to run his PowerPoint for him. And uh, not very well, he kept having to go, Tell me to move on. So, but uh, little points. <laughs> that's right. uh, it was so powerful getting to see some of the pictures that really brought to life some of his testimony. There were times I was in tears hearing parts of his testimony. It was really, uh, there were some difficult times. So um, just a powerful, powerful testimony. But we're going to, I'm just going to ask him a few questions and we're going to talk about his seven steps. So question one. John, would you have called yourself an enemy of God before you became a follower of Christ? Why or why not? Uh, yes, sorry to say, but yes, uh, I, was a, I was straight up a servant of Satan. I was so broken and uh, not only destroying my life, but I dragged many people down with me and destroyed their lives as well with uh, my addictions and my brokennesses. On question two, would you say that you were seeking God, or did God just sort of show up out of nowhere for you? Hold on, dude, this gets tougher as we go. Uh, can you repeat the question, please? Would you say that you were seeking God, or did God just sort of show up out of nowhere for you? Uh, God showed up out of nowhere. I left Connecticut five years ago seeking sobriety, not Jesus. And uh, after about two weeks of withdrawing, um, 
I went to Helping Hands to get help, and uh, I just walked in there, and I broke down, and I was just like, please, someone help me. I'm a junkie from Connecticut. And uh, Pastor Amy, the Lord used Pastor Amy to direct me to Christ-centered recovery meetings. Hmm. And that's how, well, when I was 14, my grandmother introduced me to Christ. I got arrested for the second time in my life. And she said, Jonathan, all you have to do is accept Jesus Christ into your life and ask for his help and he can remove this from you. But at that point in my life, I wasn't ready for it. But Pastor Amy directed me to the We Believe meetings at when I chose to start accepting and believing. Amen. I am big on the power of prayer and praying grandmas are awesome. So <laughs> last sermon, my sister was in the last sermon and we talked about, we were kind of, I kind of looked at her and my grandma was probably the one person in our family that um, was a believer. So uh, number three, so how did God reveal himself to you? How did you know it was God working in your life also? Um, well, Pastor Amy sent me to these uh, meetings. She says she'd give me some clothes and stuff. And if I go to these meetings, there'll be another, another gift there waiting for me. So when I walked into these meetings, man, there was Bibles everywhere. I'm like, what the <laughs> crap was this lady thinking, you know? <laughs> and so, but when I turned around to walk out, I could hear my grandmother like she was still alive saying into my ear once again, just see, receive Jesus Christ. You don't have to live like this. He can remove this from you, you know? So when I turn around, the first thing I seen for the first time in my life was sober people happy. I've never seen that before, you know? <laughs> and that's how he revealed himself. There's life after death. Awesome. Amen. And that's just such a great example of, because those people probably didn't even realize that 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 affected you that way. Yeah. Um, but just God uses, God uses us. It's awesome. Four, how did you respond when God called you? <laughs> Fought it tooth and nail. <laughs> 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 uh, I, I picked in like when he first started and, you know, when it, the first time he said that this morning, I got such a severe conviction because that's what I did. I picked and chose what I was going to live by out of the Bible. Proverbs, that definitely had nothing to do for me. That was for the screwed up people, you know what I mean? And for me, I was actually believed my only issue was I was a drug addict, you know? If he took the drugs away, I'd be a good guy. And uh, he revealed how that was wrong, you know? And uh, he ended up taking one more overdose uh, in February 2013, after being here for a year, I, uh, I overdosed again on heroin. I put myself into another coma. And uh, when I woke up from that coma, it was when I, uh, I truly accepted the Lord. I, at first, I thought it was all a dream. It was like the worst feeling I ever had in my life. I woke up like, oh, no. And I was waiting to be sick from the opiates. And then I was like, wait a minute. I checked because I recently got open heart surgery. So I checked. And I had my zipper, and I was like, oh, thank you, Lord. So I dropped to my knees, and I, that was when I truly accepted the Lord into my heart and asked him to change everything in my life. And, and not so much I used the Lord for what I needed at the beginning. I used him instead of asking him to use me the way he chooses to use me the way I'm needed. And, uh, yeah. Amen. And you kind of went into this already, so. But... Yeah, sorry. <laughs> no, no, it's good. It's good. <laughs> Uh, so what did repentance look like for you? Um, 
repentance look like for me? Asking for his forgiveness. And, uh, you know, as, as you was talking about it, and, and receiving his forgiveness upon myself. Like, a part of it for me was, it's easy to accept forgiveness, but it was hard for me to forgive myself. So seeking his love and his trust and knowing that through him forgiving me, I can forgive myself. So our sixth step was, uh, you know, Paul finding a community. Did you find a community to get involved with that has helped you to grow in your walk? And what, what would that community be? Uh, well, when I first came here, there was a thing called the First Things First. It was a Christ Center recovery house. It was the old parsonage for the First Lutheran Church on Chandler Street. And I got involved in there. But part of the things of living there was our mission statement was, uh, uh-oh, um, <laughs> to, uh, to comfort the others through, our, I forget, man. Well, whatever. Basically, we had to go help everybody who needed help. If somebody in the church or a church needed to be moved, we went and moved them. If somebody needed their lawn mowed or whatever, to uh the comfort of others to our discomfort or something like that. Or I forget how it goes, man. That was a whole long time ago, like five years. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, and through, through service and, and then just the love that I felt. My main attraction that attracted me to the Lord was the love I felt from all of you. I never knew love until I accepted Jesus Christ. I denied it, and if I felt love getting close, I pushed it away. So coming here and just the way... Uh, Fellow believers loved on me the way I've never felt before. I mean, my family loved me, but they had no choice. You know what I mean? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And a part of John's community that I want, this is his wife, Heidi, up here, if you get a chance, and their daughter, Emily. So if you get a chance, make sure you say hi to them. Um, Heidi is an amazing part of of John's ministry. We talked about this in the first service. Um, What these two do together is just unbelievable to watch, and I have been so privileged to get to see it. Uh, When when they're at schools together for an assembly, uh, when John gets done speaking, he'll have all these kids running up to talk to him. And uh, one of the things that they do that they're very careful about is John will send the girls to Heidi. The girls will want to talk to John too, but he'll, he'll recommend that they go talk to Heidi. And Heidi does a great job of just loving on those girls and taking care of them. And John does a great job of connecting with the guys and loving on them. Um, and just what a powerful ministry uh, the two of them have together. It's, it's and, unbelievable. And I just want to stress that there are two kind of, two big issues why we do that. One, I can't really relate to little girls, but uh, <laughs> another is... A lot of our children, not, a lot of our children in schools today are broken. A lot of them that are unchurched and don't know love and are missing fathers and parents and stuff like that. All these kids are seeking is love. So we don't want to mislead these kids by me praying or talking with a young lady and, and them taking the love the wrong way. And I, because these kids don't need their hearts broke any more than have already been broken. So separating it to Heidi to give the motherly love and the Christly love through a woman to another young lady Amen. is just the most appropriate, you know? Yeah. Amen. We, we just want to do everything that the Lord's lead us, leading us to do and, and, and for his honor, his glory, and his way, not ours. Amen. Amen. Uh, John, last question. How are you serving God now, and what is God teaching you? Well, I'm speaking at your church today. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> yeah, we meant um, productive service. Yeah, <laughs> uh, I, uh, I work for Impact. Um, 
I go around, and like he said, I spoke in 29 schools to this year. Um, we got, um, what is it, four in Pennsylvania. I missed one school in Pennsylvania. I did all the schools that we're doing in uh, Cattaraugus County, Chautauqua County, and then, uh, like, what was it, four or six schools in Pennsylvania, and then uh, school assemblies. Um, and uh, Oh, and I work for the UCAN mission. I forgot to mention that yep. too long, yep. last night. I work for the UCAN mission. We reopened up the homeless shelter in uh, Jamestown, New York, and I was asked to uh, work there. I work from 6 in the morning to 10 in the morning, so what I try to do is minister to them guys or at least give them someone to vent to about what happened last, uh, the night before. Um, and, and I can mention, oh, and I work for Impact. So what we do is Impact's a very humbling experience for me because of the uh, simple fact is I have to raise my paycheck. And the thing is, is uh, Bemis, uh, the, you guys are a very big supporter of Tom and uh, Impact already and Pastor Dan, but I still also have to raise my support. So if you guys are willing to uh, help me out, but most importantly, through prayer, please keep me in your prayer because this ministry is tough and a spiritual attack is, is real. But uh, if you're financially able, I, I, well, I ran out of envelopes, but somebody <laughs> made me some new envelopes out there. But if you could help me financially, that'd be great. But most importantly, please keep us in prayer because uh, I need that more than money. You know, the Lord provides excellently for yep. us. And, Amen. and the UCAM mission is going awesome, too. Amen. Yep. All right, is there anything else you'd like to share before we close um, it up, or is that? Last time you had something, and this time, yeah, every yeah. service changes a little yeah, bit. Yeah. So. <laughs> well, you know, like that, like the commercial says, look, it's a squirrel. <laughs> That's really <laughs> me, you know? <laughs> so, but uh, I just want to thank you guys all for what you do, supporting Impact and stuff like that. And please keep us all in prayer. Keep your pastors yeah. in prayer. Because, you know, when... When I first came here and I was just in the pews and stuff, you don't realize the spiritual warfare we go through. It's hard. Each and every day they attack us in some of the worst ways. They attack our family to get at us and us to get at our family. So just please just realize how important it is just to lift our pastors up in our churches and just please pray. Amen. Amen. Right, can we, uh, well, thank you, John, for coming thank and you. sharing. If we could... Uh, like John was saying, um, he has to raise support to work for Impact, and and I said this in the first service. I think John is probably one of the most um, important aspects of Impact uh, right now, especially uh, when he goes into these schools. It is incredible. Uh, every one of my schools, when John has gone into them and spoken afterwards, when I've been there for the um, the the class meeting or the club meeting during the lunch, they've had double the number of kids who have come because they want to talk to John farther, further. So if you get the opportunity to grab one of his brochures or you can look them up online. Yeah, those are gone too. Look them up. You can look it up online. If you go to Impact, um, I think it's impact.org, uh, Google Impact Christian, Impact Campus Fellowship, and you can learn more about John. And uh, really, uh, one more thing that I want to do that's going to kind of, it's one of those stretching things for me. And, uh, but Abby Beach is going to come up and she's going to play some music for us because she is awesome. And I cannot tell her that enough or, or her parents that enough. That she's just incredible. 
But as Abby's playing, I'm going to ask you to do something. I'm going to ask you guys to close your eyes. And as you close your eyes, you're just going to listen for a minute, and then we're going to pray. So if you would all close your eyes now. James McDonald says that when, you, when your eyes are closed, you are more likely to be truly looking within yourself. So let's try to do that right now. Really search yourself. Be honest with yourself. Where am I on my road to Damascus? And in my journey, where am I right now? Just take a minute to, uh, to really ask God and uh, search yourself for that answer. Because I, I don't know and I don't need to know where you're at in your road. Maybe you're still in that enemy of God phase. Maybe, you know, you, you say you believe you're still not living it. Maybe you've accepted Christ long ago and you are serving him and, and you are growing. And that's awesome. Uh, most likely there's probably a lot of people here that are somewhere in between. So just being honest about where we're at. Maybe some of you have acknowledged Christ with your lips, uh, but have never repented, turned away from the world. You're still very tied into the world and don't want to let go of those things. Uh, Maybe you're seeking right now, and hopefully today has been a moment where God has uh, spoken to you and revealed himself to you. But we're going to have a a time of prayer. There's going to be an opportunity for us to ask ask God to forgive us in any areas we need forgiveness. We're going to uh, you know, ask God to come into our lives that we may turn from the world and turn towards him alone. So as you keep your eyes closed, I'm going to pray. And you can either pray with me, with these words with me, or you can pray your own words. Uh, God doesn't care what words we use, so uh, you know, feel free to say what you want. But Father God, I know that I am a sinner. It's not hard for me to acknowledge that, to admit that. I have broken your laws. I have done things and continue to do things that are not pleasing to you. I know that I am a sinner. But I do believe that Jesus died for me. I look in my heart and I know that this is true. I'm not trying to stir up emotions. I truly believe that you sent your son to die for my sins. I truly believe that Jesus took the cross that I deserved upon himself, that I may be forgiven and free. I believe that Jesus died and rose again, that we too might have eternal life with you. I believe that you are God, and I invite you to come into my life and save me. Save me from the grip of sin. Save me from the chains of addiction, whether drugs, alcohol, lust, pornography, maybe even money is our addiction. Save us. Save me from that addiction. Save me from the eternity in hell that I deserve. Save me. Again, I invite you into my life to save me, to change me into the man or woman you are calling me to believe, calling me to be. I believe that there's people today between the first service, this service, the third service, who are going to say this prayer for the first time. I pray that if you have already accepted Christ, if you're already there, be praying for those around you who may not know him, that God would reveal himself in a powerful way. Father God, I thank you for this day. I thank you for the people here that you've brought here, the people that need to be here today for whatever reason. Lord, thank you for that. And I pray, Father, that you 
that you speak to us here, but more importantly, I pray you pour out your spirit on us and that as we leave here, we don't forget. We don't forget that we are Christians when we walk out this door. We are not just Sunday morning Christians, but that we are followers of the way in every aspect of our lives, Father. I pray that you would speak to us, work in us, and do an amazing work through us, Father. Lord, I thank you and praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. If you accepted Christ today, if you said that prayer, if you just realize that maybe there are some areas in my life that I need to turn, that I need to still give over to God, uh, in your bulletin, you'll find this tear-off section in your bulletin. And I'd love for you to, you know, if you just accepted Christ, uh, check the box that says, I'm a new believer. Uh, if, if there was something else, write a little note for me. Put your name, your information. I would love to sit down with you and say, where can we get you plugged in? Where can we help you find community? Where can we help you find what your next step is, whatever that is? Um, yeah, just give me that information. I will call you. Or even better, if you want, I think we have a couple minutes after this before we have to get over to the third service. Feel free to run it up to me. Um, or you can take it to Suzanne. Uh, after the service is over. Again, I want to thank you all for, uh, for being here today, and I just want to just lay a blessing on you as you guys leave. Father, again, I, I just lift your people up to you. I pray for your courage and your boldness for them, that they would walk out of this sanctuary um, just strong and ready to serve and glorify you in whatever it is they do, Father. Lead each of us on our path that we would end up where you would have us all end up, which is, which is in your arms and with you in eternity, Father. Lord, we thank you and praise you in Jesus' name. Amen.